Podcast 039, Atlas Shrugged. Sponsored by my buddies at PantryParatus.com. They sell food preservation tools. Produce, prepare, preserve your own harvest. Okay, it's recording. That there's a little hole right there. That's the microphone. Just hold it like that. I'm gonna hold it. Okay. Then I'll I'll drive. I'll try not to crash in the people. Thank you, especially driving my vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna party now. <laughs> All right. So we just got done watching this movie, um, and uh, you know, I, uh, so we watched the Atlas Shrugged movie. And um, while I have to say that it's definitely, if it's not my favorite book, it's probably in the top ten list, which might offend a lot of people. But, you know, and and a lot of people want to talk about the book being um, uh, lined up with some sort of politics. But, you know, I really don't get much out of it in the way of politics. What I... What I find in the book is is a lot of about personal integrity, and um, I and this movie. So as much as I want there to be a movie, I I found this movie to be horrible. <laughs> well, I guess yeah. you know I can't yeah. make a movie better. Maybe I shouldn't say. It was it was bad. Uh, you know, we before you turned on the recorder, I was saying the one thing I did like, I felt they tried to create a plausible setup for why rail transport was so important because they were presenting sometime in the future, 2016, when there's oil is $37 a gallon, and the cheapest way to transport things is by rail. So all of a sudden rail is far more important than it is currently and uh, and I thought that was kind of plausible and kind of interesting especially I think a lot of people in permaculture circles are concerned about peak oil so that uh, that was pretty interesting um, <clears throat> And so I was kind of excited they started it that way. I thought, okay, this is, I was wondering how they were going to do Atlas Shrugged in modern times because it wasn't making sense to me. But that premise was starting to make sense, and then it just was weak. I don't understand how they, you know, there's clearly a lot about making movies that is beyond my comprehension. You know, so like uh, they, there's there's something, and 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 how they bring characters to life that I don't understand, because it's like they they all seem to have their lines memorized. I mean, I I did kind of feel like I was watching a community play being performed, <laughs> and and that you know it's like well they did a they did an okay job of of, of doing the community play. <laughs> And, uh, but I thought the I thought the special effect of the train going 250 miles an hour that was pretty. Yeah, and the blue reared in metal as the you know as the train track it was cool and the bridge was stunning you know. Um, but I, I I think the character development was very very weak in terms of the scripting and the acting and even some of the cinematography. They're just wasn't, you know, 
stilted and choppy. Yeah, that. <laughs> and a few other things, maybe. <laughs> and it was disappointing. I liked the actor playing Reardon. He was working as Reardon for me. Um, and the guy who played Alice Wyatt was working for me as an Alice Wyatt. But but the things that came out of their mouths just weren't quite right. And they were, you know, they tried to chop up the book a little and make it fit modern times. So they had to change some of the wording. They couldn't do the book verbatim. And then... Uh, and I just thought the words they chose were awkward. You know, I, I now have a, a new respect for nearly anybody else who makes a movie. I mean, I, I, it's just I, because I can't say wh- why this movie was bad. Clearly, um, other movies that I've seen that I didn't care for, I mean, I didn't care for them because of other reasons, you know. Um, whereas, uh, and I, like, I didn't feel like those two should really get together like that. Like, that seemed fake or something. But in this one, it's like, boy, I just couldn't. There just wasn't connections. It just, it's like it was choppity, chop, 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 chop. And uh, when I read the bad reviews before going, I thought, oh, that's just because, you know, most people don't care for the book. And, and, uh, so, let's, you know what, let's leave the movie alone for a bit. And, I, I mean, I think we've beat this dead horse good. Right. There's not much else to say. So, um, but I, I do think that, um, and I've met some permaculture folks that are keen on the book. And, I mean, they're not, they're not, it's not very often. And I've met a lot of them that have tried to read it, and uh, they found that they didn't understand it, that they thought it was an awful book. And, and it's like, uh, um, I, uh, I think that there are uh, there are a lot of people of different camps, and I think that there's only going to be like uh, one person out of twenty that's going to enjoy this book, and um, uh, I think that the book is, is really tries to uh, recognize and respect and admire people who successfully innovate things that are of value to others. And, um, uh, and, and if, if, if uh, you are a person that, that, you know, makes things happen, you would probably find value in this book. Um, everybody else will probably hate this book. Well, I think you said to me at one point that it, uh, the book kind of crystallized for you um, what icky people can do, um, supposedly when they're trying to be supportive. And there's, um, this movie didn't really show some of that yet, you know, I mean, it showed some of the icky politics where they said, oh yeah, we're going to do this equalization. Um, where they're trying to equalize things for businesses and for people and for people's pay. But uh, Rand goes into depth in the novel of creating these conversations and these um, social dynamics where these people act like they're being your best friend in the world and just massaging your ego and being all kinds of smooth when they're really uh, 
and being devious and bringing you down and and there's all these really I don't know kind of underbelly is what I called it uh, ways that people operate with each other and she's very very good at illustrating that kind of underbelly and then her um, heroes are the ones who just don't have time or interest in that kind of messing around. They'd just rather be straightforward and honest and do, you know, and create good things. Right. I, and, and so I, I, I think one of the most important things that I got from the book, I mean, when I read, when I read the book for the first time, it was at a point that I was very troubled. And, um, I felt that, you know, I was, my voice was equal to anybody else's voice, and I had people telling me that I was greedy, that I was a bad person, that, you know, and, and here I felt that I had created so much, and I had built so much, and I had done so much to make things good for so many people, but I was being told that I was wrong and that I didn't understand people, I had no compassion, that, um, you know, all these very negative things. And then um, when I read the book, all the heroes in the story spent a great deal of their time going around and basically having this same experience. And so for me, it was kind of like, you know, but, but their position was is they didn't care what other people had to say. They didn't, they didn't care. And so I found I found strength in that. And there were a lot of scenarios that were spelled out in the book where I felt like I experienced the very same thing, only I, I fell for it. You know, there were people that were saying, you have to do what I say for the good of the people. And, uh, you know, and so then I would go along with it. And uh, only to find out later that what they meant by the good of people was for the good of them. And the people kind of got screwed. And so I kind of felt like uh, not only did it paint a clear picture that, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are, you know, in their own for their own needs, for their own personal needs, rather than go out and do the hard work, they'll just use words to try and get what they want so that they don't have to work. Yeah. You know, they found words that, that work on suckers' minds. And, and so then uh, I, I saw lots of things I had not experienced yet. And I, I, the book kind of left me feeling like I'm not the same as everybody else. Stop trying to be the same as everybody else. And and so I, I think it was the, uh, the, 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 I mean, I've always been arrogant and obnoxious, but it was, uh, you know, arrogant and obnoxious 2.0, maybe, was, was born. Then, uh, I, I don't know. Oh, that's what did it, huh? Yeah, it helped. It was a big clue. Uh, I was, I was, uh, uh, I had more down, but I don't know. I, before reading the book, I still created a lot. I still built big yeah. things that really made big changes in the world. Um, yeah. And I, I'm not particularly comfortable with how much Rand paints the underbelly of human society. I mean, she really paints some 
really icky pictures of things. And, and that feels like it goes too far to me. But, and, and we've talked about that quite a bit, right. you and I. And I'm still struggling with it because um, I actually did have a really great boss that I admired some years ago who um, wrote a book, Kindness Ain't Backrub. And, and he was about how in a, uh, a work situation, you know, it's, it's, it's not always good to make everybody feel good. <laughs> the kindest thing sometimes can be to fire someone or to let them know they're not doing their job, you know, and then that can get them into a job where they're a better fit and you can find someone that's a better fit for that position. Um, and that's something that uh, a lot of times, you know, even in this day and age, people aren't very comfortable with. And Rand really wanted to drive that point home, that that being true, you know, the ethical ego, the ethical egoism is what people have been calling it. And talking about her philosophy, I haven't read any of her philosophical books or any of that kind of stuff. But I think it's a lot of what you appreciate is is the integrity of these people that they they keep their word, they work hard, they're honest, they um, they want to deal um, in a forthright way in the world. And I think that you know without that, it's it's far more difficult to have progress. I mean, there are people that I do business with on nothing more than a you know a verbal handshake of, of sorts. You know, maybe maybe some emails are exchanged or something like that, and then you move forward. And then there's people that seem to like want contracts signed at every corner, and it's like let's sit down and go over all the different things in the contract and all the ways that things could go go bad and. And, um, well, you know, those things make me nervous. And uh, uh, I just feel like there's so much that gets done with that, that I've gotten done. There's so much that I've accomplished where there was no contract involved at all. In fact, the, the greatest things I've ever accomplished, the, the most money I've ever made, there was not a contract. Um, and, uh, and then there's some people who it's like... Uh, well, you, you just you just can't do anything with them. They're they're not part of the group. But I, you know, I should qualify that there's a lot in the book. I mean, let's, you know, leaving the movie totally aside, there's a lot in the book that I did not agree with. There's a lot that I'm really uncomfortable with. Right. But the important thing is, is that there's a lot in there that really helped me at a time when I needed that particular help. And um, I think that a good Randian hero could be Seth Holzer. I mean, would you agree with that? I I suppose so. Um, I think it's interesting uh, in the thread in Meaningless Dribble where people were discussing Atlas Shrugged the movie coming out um, some people were saying oh well Rand she doesn't appreciate the workers you know she's all about these really wealthy people that would never you know scrub a floor or clean a toilet and you know she's all about the upper class in a way and and in I didn't really 
get that from her novels. But of course, it makes it's kind of more fun to write about a hero that is wildly successful. Reardon and Dagny were quite successful. Dagny was a housekeeper in the middle of the book, in the second book. Oh, that's right. That's, that's right. right. She does that. Yep, that's gladly. right. Gladly. Yep, she that's did right. She did it gladly for like, what, five cents a day or something like that. Right, that's right. She did. Forgot about that part. So, well, and there's other parts where, you know, um, I think Rand does appreciate the work, you know, the workers, but it's just really interesting to me how she sees and is so good at portraying the people that are slimy in their human relations. So, and you and I have kind of debated, you know, um, to what extent is that really in our society? Right. And that, I mean, it is that's fiction. where you and I, yeah, it's fiction. And then she's doing caricatures and painting things, you know, extra vividly to get a point across. You know, it's fiction, it's art. Um, but if we go and you see a piece of art, if you see a painting, I think that you don't have to, like, look at the painting and say... I agree with everything that I see in this painting. Right. And and so I believe that this book is a piece of art. Yeah. And um, and on top of that, this artist has done something interesting that she has she has painted her entire painting using only black and white. At no point does she use any shades of gray. At no point does she use any color. And by my standards, I think it's a masterpiece, even though there are elements in the painting that I am not comfortable with. And and um, and I believe that my discomfort was not her goal. I mean, like, she's got some weird sex stuff. Yeah, you know? And And here we're talking about integrity, and yet the two main heroes are having an affair, you know? So that's something yeah. people, people could really take issue with. But so. everybody in that book wears a black hat or a white hat. There's only one person in the book who might possibly change hats. And um, and then there's really no children. I mean, they talk a little bit about when the main players were children, but, you know, it's a little different. But the big thing is there's nobody in the book, none of the players in the book have children. So, um, and I think the thing is, is that, and, and, you know, a lot of the book, a lot of the characters aren't developed as much as they could be and aren't, you know, there's lots of depth to the characters that are not shown, but I mean, like, the book is so immense yeah. that if they were to try and flesh that out a little bit, that would just make the book even bigger. Right. Um, I, I have to uh, applaud her for, she, so clearly her thing is philosophy, you know, her, you know, and, and I, I do think the book is well written, I like her sentence structure, and, and I think it's an easy read. Um, but uh, really, her thing is philosophy, not, I don't think, you know... Well, and she uses her characters as a platform to give lectures. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that's I, a bit of a drawback in parts of And I'm the book. sure that I could never read any of that stuff. I, I would just have no interest. Yeah. And, um, uh, however, I, I do find, uh, uh, you know, and it's like, I, I guess whatever the underlying philosophy is, apparently the philosophy is called objectivism. Right. And I... I must not have the brain capacity to be able to understand it, 
Um, and, and then all the people that try to talk about the philosophy affiliated with the book, I, I don't understand any of that either. Hell, I'm not even sure what ego even means. Um, and I, you know, frankly, I don't give a shit. Um, the you have you have the green arrow. Oh, good. I can go. <laughs> well, that car was like creeping up on me there. Right. It looked like it was it coming like out. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to crash your car. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> this is great. We're going by a place where there's a, a a truck that says Target for the you know the store, and it's right next to a gun shop. It is. It's. it's humorous. That's a Kodak moment right there. It is. It is. It's funny. Um, uh, yeah, and speaking of humor, uh, this is another movie I slept through. <laughs> how, much, how much of it did you sleep through? I think I nodded off for about five minutes towards the end of this. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I don't think you really missed anything. I, was, I, I guess don't, instead I, of thumbs up or thumbs down. Did, did Jocelyn stay awake or not awake? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, like you, you slept uh, uh, through a third of Food Matters, and I think that was a, a reasonably good movie. Um, yes. And, and yeah. now, I think it's a much better movie than I thought it was after watching it. <laughs> uh, after you know, I, I think some of the creations I've made are better <laughs> than what we just saw, and I think my creations are generally pretty low. Um, but, get, but getting back to Rand novels and her um, and the integrity that you find so compelling that she portrays in her novels, that you and I have talked about a lot. I, I, the, you know, here uh, someone in the thread was objecting to that again, saying, "Yeah, but how can?" You not care about what others think. That's just an awful thing. And, and she brought up this whole serial killer admiration that Rand had. And, you know, if you don't care what other people think, you could be like a serial killer. And I don't, I don't think it's what she's portraying is, is, is to that extreme. Um, and, and while I'm not as much... I'm not as enamored with parts of her book as as you are in some ways, but I I, I still think what she's portraying has some u- very useful and valuable messages, and it's not something to throw out just because she was kind of strange. True. Um, uh, I I know really nothing about her being a screwball on her own time um i'm i you know you and, and you know what let's 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 suppose all these stories are true and that the woman's a nut job this nut job helped me when i needed help you know and and a really i mean it it, it kind of like it, i didn't i didn't realize that i was walking around on quicksand until i had a strong foundation put under my feet and um uh and so now i um i i feel like the 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 book you know filled gaps in my head that you know uh just just you know needed to be filled and and so um uh it was a very believable foundation um at least the the the, the bits that i liked right um when when i was at the very i got hooked at the very beginning of the book where reardon 
had just finished pouring his first pour of Reardon metal, and then he goes home, and um, he's he's um, treated poorly by his mom, and by his wife, and by his brother, and um, uh, and they're all taking from him but calling him selfish and greedy and yeah. and and this is his big day he had the after 10 years of working on it he finally had the first pour it's finally going into production and so this is a great big celebration day like that now so i i won an award and i in 2003 and it's kind of like the Oscars for geeks. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I felt like I felt that way, right. you know. It's and and so, um, uh, and I felt like I was, you know, uh, off making sacrifices in order to, you know, make the farm payments and stuff like that. And uh, and then I won this big award, and I'm off in another city. Um, and it's like yeah, there was never, never any recognition for my big day from those that you would think would would provide that um you know they just wanted me to keep paying the bills so when i read that part of the book i was hooked right then you know it was very early on in the book and um and then when they're making the metal they're making the railway with the metal. It reminds me of the many times that I've made many things, like whether I was uh, uh, making Bananacom or whether I was <clears throat> um, building a website and trying to, you know, get it to, up off the ground or, or whatever. And it's it is amazing how hundreds of people just pour out of the woodwork and try to stop you for very good reasons. They are convinced. I remember I built this this conferencing system, which was a lot like form software back in the 80s. And um, it was at a university, and uh, my professor tried to stop me because he felt like it would make communication so good that it would help people who were attempting to plagiarize. So in the name of plagiarization, there should be no Internet because people <laughs> people could plagiarize over the Internet. You know, kind of like... It was in a, like in a way, he was a bit prophetic. <laughs> well, it was true. You know, and at the same time, what, should we, uh, you know, cancel telephones and right. mail right. and, uh, right. you know, not allow people to, to, to uh, come within 10 feet of each other because they could hand over, um, you know, plagiarization material. But um, uh, I don't know. There's just all these people who want to stop things in the name of what's good for others. And um, and while they have a point, it's like, wow, uh, um, if we stop and listen to all these people, we just won't be able to do anything. And um, a lot of it is, is like, what can you do in your own home? You know, uh, and uh, it's like, uh, uh, why, why, if I want to build a home that's a death trap, why can't I build my own death trap and live in my own death trap? You know, it seems like I should have the right to do that if I want to. And um, and there, but in many places there's laws saying you no know, you can't do that and and in a way they got a point because then when you die the the taxpayer money has to be spent to come dig your corpse out <laughs> otherwise it'll stink up the neighborhood uh, um, you know so okay that's a that is a good point <laughs> what if what if I built such a well you're the, you know what 
you know, I got to dig my corpse out whether I die of natural causes or whether, you know, my building caves in on me. Either way. So, um, maybe that shouldn't be as much of a point. I, I don't all right, have I wandered off? off You've wandered off, and and I'm I'm still kind of sleepy, so I'm not helping keeping you on track. Oh, you're sleepy because <laughs> <laughs> because the movie is making you all nappy like. <laughs> all right, well, I I do think that from a permaculture perspective, um, I I do think that there are a lot of people that are going to be very innovative, very creative, and I think that there are people that, that can take a permaculture system and they can make big money, and and I, I think that you, they, they might be able to find inspiration from this book, which I do know is available as an audio book. Um, and uh, it might be something to help, you know, put the wind in your sails a bit. And 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 when when they when the people that are trying to keep you from getting your stuff done, it might help to kind of give you whatever it takes to kind of step around that a little bit and move forward with permaculture, move forward with with your um, uh, attempts to 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 make a. A, a really healthy income as opposed to settling for a, a lousy income. And uh, and I support that. And when people talk about politics with this book and they want to tell you don't read it because it's all about this other flavor of politics that they're not for, I'm I'm sorry. Listen to your Uncle Paul. <laughs> Trust your Uncle Paul. There's, I don't think there's really any politics in it at all. I mean, there's like uh, the government trying to do governmental things, but... Oh, well, well, you know, Ayn Rand came from a very broken communist system. And, and so she is anti-communism and pro-capitalism. So that's that's the politics. And, and, and it's understandable because she came from a very, very broken, dysfunctional system. So she likes to expound against that what that which she experienced is broken. And, I, you know, that part is just kind of, I just figure that's Rand. I don't find it as significant to the story because I am more interested in the characters and character development in the story. The, the part that, um, you know, she likes to just, when the society is so broken... She she paints this totally broken society in Atlas Shrugged, and then she just wants all of her heroes just to leave that society and go create their own society, and and that was a little extreme to me, and I I didn't like the idea that they, you know, that she painted that bleak of a picture that they just had to get out of Dodge, you know, well that. They're not respecting. I mean, they're not. They're not respecting these people appropriately, you know. And and uh, and what they're doing, and and the thing that she's trying to paint in the book, the is broken the society is right, respecting the, bro- the good people, the the, the innovators, right. And uh, the and, and in the book they refer to them as the brains or the in, 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 intelligent, the uh, the create the creators. In fact, they started to break it down into two groups. There's the creators and the looters. Right. And the looters didn't actually create anything. They just you know were like leeches Lurched. Lurched on uh, everybody. Yeah. And so um, 
And, you know, I've been in many scenarios where I feel like, you know, I was the creator and I was surrounded by, you know, a whole bunch of people that were, were leeches. And so I, I am now, I now feel prepared to, like, try to not let that happen again. Because, of course, you've got to voluntarily allow, voluntarily allow it to happen for it to exist. And um, I don't know. At the same time, on the flip side, I, I mean, I think there is a lot to be said for compassion. There is a lot to be said for um, uh, sharing. And there is a lot to be said for, but, I mean, it's, it's complicated. And, there's, you know, there are, there are times when I have been given the opportunity to share and I've elected to not. I mean, I do think, I mean, uh, hell, the evidence of my sharing is everywhere right now from the, I mean, the videos, the podcasts, the website, the web pages, the articles. I mean, I, I share a lot. Yeah. And then at the same time, there are some people where I kind of get the feeling that they are dirty dogs. And sometimes I can't even quite put my finger on it, but it does smell like somebody with a black hat and a Rand book. And it, it's amazing, too. When you read the book, Suddenly, everybody in your world is wearing a black hat or a white hat. It's like for months. You just, I mean, did that happen to you? No. No, you didn't experience that. <laughs> Not so much. Um, Not so much, so it did a little bit. It it might have a little. Mostly, uh, I'm such an introspective person, an intrapersonal person, that I've, evaluated a lot of my own thoughts and actions from reading it and and I wondered a lot whether she could have you know I really don't know if she could have illustrated the looters as well as she did without making it such an extreme situation you know I think she did I think she was brilliant at painting a picture of a looter or a leech, you know, and 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 in the Fountainhead, the character she paints with Tui. So um, I, I think she's brilliant at painting those kind of characters, and um, I just, you know, anyway, that's just my fascination. I keep wondering, okay, could she have painted this kind of example without going to such extremes? And I don't know. Uh-huh. Well, she wrote the Fountainhead first, right? And in the Fountainhead, you've got one person with a white hat, and you got a whole bunch of shades of gray. Uh-huh. And you know, you might find a, a few people that have black hats. Um, and in Atlas Shrugged, she's clearly trying to make a point, and so her characters are kind of shallow in this respect. Mm-hmm. Nobody has a gray hat. Everybody is either wearing a white hat or a black hat. And you have to wait until they say enough that, that you can figure it out. Um, but it's like uh, immediately after reading the book, there were like all of these phrases that I would hear people say and suddenly a black hat would appear on their head. Like, like a big one is, it's not my fault. You know, and, and it's like the, the, the people in the white hats would never say it's not my fault. I will make it right, is what a person in the white hat would say. And, and it's, it's true. There's, there's, uh, if, if you've got a project and you want to get something done, there's like a million reasons why it will never get done. It's, it's just hard work to get it done. And um, 
uh, I don't know, a lot of people can just, will just, can just, I don't, when I go out and I video people, I like to video the people that are getting it done. And, you know, they're not sitting next to a pile of materials saying it's not my fault. They're, they're either getting it done or it's been done. And Holzer is a great example of he's gotten it done. So, um, and, and the people, I, the people that I've met that would say it's not my fault and then they try to read the book, they hate the book, you know, and, and, um, well, anyway, so. Yeah, I, I, I think it's fascinating. I think it's, it's a, I'm, I'm excited to know more about it just so that I can understand what people are talking about because it does stir up some controversy. So. It certainly does. And I've met a lot of people who utterly hate the book and have never read it. <laughs> and, they've, and they say, like, um, um, and you can never get me to read that trash. Oh, you know, how do you know? And so this is part of the reason why I thought we should go to the movie tonight, even though the reviews were that it was awful. (laughs) As as I kind of thought, you know, even if people had seen it, they might be against the message. But it it was, it was, boy, I... Flat. I I really want I really want to say it was you know it it had upsides but I am I am hard pressed to find those wow Um, I I don't I can't think of I mean I think I've seen fourth grade productions that that just came off better I I and I don't even know I mean it seems like they did all did a good job and the, the smaller characters really did a better job. Uh, and there was that one guy that was Quark in that in that television series. He showed up there for a minute. That was that was kind of fun to see him there. Uh, he was from the Deep Space Nine television series, uh, Quark, and he was there as a as a guy that was trying to get uh, Reardon to sign a piece of paper. Oh, okay. And that was kind of neat. And there were some characters that you see from other other movies or whatever and right. I, thought th- I thought it was the bit players kind of did a, you know they had a little bit more depth and stuff I have no idea why that I mean it seemed I mean that was a movie that's probably that, that the movie came off so so bad it's, it's probably um, better than anything I could have done if I tried to make Atlas Shrugged you know and only because I just don't know how to make a movie pop <laughs> it's your style of making a movie would want to have little humor things in it and <laughs> goofy questions. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I probably would have like made it a comedy. It would be, yeah, it would be different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and the movies that I make, I, I don't know what I'm going to do for a movie until I'm looking at the footage and then I kind of cobble something together generally. But yeah, that's another story for another day. Yep. All right. You good? You gonna you wanna go sleep now? (laughs) Again, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Again. Yeah, more of that. All right. Well, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies dot com where we talk about farm income, homesteading, and permaculture all the time.